young people to go to children and teen church and those working with them. Excited to be able to have age-appropriate learning for them to be excited about what they can learn uh, being taught to them in a in a fashion that they can best receive it. So we're excited about that. And just before we read the, the scripture, it's just good for many of us uh, who know and love Sister Carol Hill is visiting with us this morning. Let's just praise God for Sister Carol. Her and her son Jeremiah used to be faithful members of this this church family before she moved away, and now she has found her way to Detroit. And we just uh, praise God for her presence here today. And, and if you don't know Sister Carol, hopefully you get a chance to meet her after church in the fellowship hall. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's read the word of God in these uh, six verses together. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word for the edification of our souls. Amen. I want you to turn to somebody and say how to deal with prosperity. Amen. Turn to somebody else and say how to deal with prosperity. Amen. You may have your seats. How to deal with prosperity. Now, some of you are scratching your heads by saying, I, I, I didn't know you had to deal with prosperity. You're making it sound like it's something that needs to be understood and endured and, and analyzed. I thought it was just something to be greeted and welcomed and you just move on. I know how to deal with, with prosperity. I just need to get some prosperity. Amen. You said, let, let, let me learn how to deal. Let me get some on the job training. Amen. With prosperity. And I know that's what we say, but I'm here to tell you that you and I need to deal with prosperity and we need to deal with it the same way that Joseph dealt with it. Amen. Now, when we last saw Joseph, it was in Genesis 37 and that that chapter ends. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. As you and I well know in the story of Joseph, we last left him where? In the pit. Amen. He was in the pit and he was 17 years old and there were some lessons that he needed to learn in terms of how to walk with God's 
favor on him. Amen. And and you and I need to learn those same lessons because God's favor rests on us. Amen. Because we're in relationship with God, we have favor. We have a gracious kindness, a friendly regard that is shown towards us by our heavenly father. And if we accept the favor of men without understanding the favor of God, we too may find ourselves in the pit. Because as I reminded you, you and I need to have humility when dealing with ourselves, sensibility when dealing with others, and overall, above all, accountability when dealing with God. And so Joseph had to endure some things, amen, in his, in his life. He had a, a bad makeup, amen, as, as all of us do because we're failed and flawed and fallen creatures and so you're going to have to overcome a bad makeup you're going to have to all overcome many times in your life a bad setup amen that's not what's done in you that's what's done to you amen and then you complicate your own life as we all do with some bad follow-up amen that's not what's done in us that's not what's done to us that's what's done by us amen and so without uh, the freeing power of God's salvation, you and I would be in a pretty dark place. We would be in the pit. We would stay in the pit. But praise God that God's favor includes God's freedom. Amen. And God's freedom allows us to overcome a bad makeup. Amen. Because that really speaks to the, the correcting the the deformity that we that we have in our lives and God's fullness helps us to deal with a bad setup because it helps to complete the deficiency amen that we have in our life so God's fullness helps us to deal with that bad setup and then last but not least that bad follow-up God's favor includes his what his forgiveness amen that that cleanses defilement. Amen. And so God's got you covered. And so if we can learn how to walk in favor, even though we've had a bad makeup, bad setup, bad follow up, God's freedom and his fullness and his forgiveness can put us in a place where we can learn how to walk. And so this sounds like this would really be the end of the story in, in Genesis 39. But it's not. And, and so that's why there's some additional lessons we need to learn. There's some additional things that Joseph needs to do now as he, be, he as he becomes an, an older man. And, and so he's been in Potiphar's house since 17, probably to the age 28, because he goes to, to prison and he's there for at least two years. And then the scripture mentions later on that he is 30 years old when he goes into Pharaoh's service. So he has a, a period of time, probably about 11 years, where God is working with him and he's in Potiphar's house. And so it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And verse 2 is 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 such a beautiful, it's, the Lord was with Joseph. Really, the definition of favor could really just be that. Amen. The Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with you, it doesn't matter where you are. It's it's more important that God is with you than where you are. Amen. So whether you're in the pit, whether you're in Potiphar's, whether you're in prison, whether you're in the palace, you will have God's favor regardless of circumstance if God is with you. Amen. And so the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. 
and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. I know this, and you may find this will happen in your life as well. When people... Even people that don't have a relationship, and there's nothing in Scripture that indicates that Potiphar had a relationship with the God we serve. But Potiphar was smart enough to see something's different about that young man. And if I can hitch my wagon to his star, I'm going to be okay. That can happen for you as well. When God's favor rests on you, the favor of God will lead to the favor of men. Potiphar said, I see an opportunity to work on my golf game. I can hand all of this over to Joseph and I can concentrate on taking some strokes off of my game. I'm going to leave everything to him. I'm going to hit the links and everything that I gave Joseph to do. Joseph took care of it and he took care of it and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. How quickly was that? Potiphar had been running his household, I'm sure, for several years. But here comes a young man that shows up and he realizes God's favor is on him. Not even the God that he serves. But there was something about how Joseph carried himself. There was something about how Joseph walked and moved and interacted with folks that let Pharaoh know, this is somebody I need to reorganize my life around. And we need to be in a place where I can take advantage of God's favor. Amen. There have been people that I've worked for and worked with in, in, in my corporate life. Some have had an, eye, an inkling of an idea, but some have had no idea that much of the success that, that we've had as a company had nothing necessarily to do with my skills and abilities or my contribution to the overall uh, purposes of the firm or what everybody else was doing. It's simply the fact that when I show up, I show up with God's favor. And if God wants to bless me, he's got to bless some other folks around me. Some people understood that. Some people didn't. But it doesn't matter as long as you understand it and you understand what that responsibility is. Amen. Joseph shows up and things happen. And Potiphar was like, I like that boy. I'm going to put him in charge of everything I have. So he left Joseph in care of everything. And so here's what I want to tell you today. Prosperity will test you. Amen. And there is something that God wants you to build up in your spiritual toolbox, if you will, to help you pass the test of prosperity. And that is the discipline of stewardship. Did you hear what I said to you? The discipline of Stewardship, And what I'm going to suggest to you is that Joseph understood and built up this discipline in his life so that he passed the test of prosperity. Amen. So so in order to, to, to further tease this out, if you will, I want to talk to you a little bit about stewardship. It's not a it's not going to be a comprehensive discussion because it's embedded in the discussion around Joseph and his life. And so the important thing for you to know is that the discipline you need, the discipline of stewardship, you need the discipline of stewardship because prosperity will test you. Amen. And if you uh, don't have the discipline of stewardship. When prosperity comes, you will fail the test. Amen. You don't want to be like this. We just talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. when We looked at Deuteronomy 8. 
God was, as he talked about the children of Israel, as they moved into the promised land, again, there was, there was a test of prosperity right there for them. He says, okay, now when you have eaten it and are satisfied and you move into the land and you do all of these things, he said, you be careful to praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful not to forget the Lord your God and all of his commands. He said, listen, I don't want you to deny God. I don't want you to disregard God. I don't want you to defraud God because if you do, then you'll destroy yourself. Amen. Prosperity is a test. He says it's so quickly that when you start driving the new car that you were so focused on and you get the new job that you had been praying about. And, and then when you get the new house and you get the all, all of the new accoutrements that go along with that, it's pretty easy to start to forget God. Amen. Because you see a pattern in scripture where it happens time and time again, because it's one thing to, to trust God when you're waiting for something. It's another thing entirely to trust him after you get it. Amen. And that's why it's a test because it's about, it's about a trust. And so again, I want you to understand that, that stewardship is a truth. Okay. Okay. That must be embraced. Stewardship is a truth. A man of God and woman of God must realize that, she, that he or she is not the owner of the resources he or she has, but merely a steward over them. The perspective matters. If you understand it in your daily grind, you are grinding for God and not for yourself, that everything he gives you, he gives you to hold as a steward, but he is the owner because the cattle on a thousand hills is his. Everything he has is everything he sees. It belongs to him. If you can get that in your mind then you will begin to engage in the world around you different. You'll understand, I am a steward. Joseph understood, I'm prospering, I'm doing well, but everything I have, I do on behalf of my master, Potiphar. And if he started to walk around like an owner instead of a steward, he would fail that test. He walked around a little differently. Now, Joseph learned something, at least a little something, because he knew that in order to lead, you got to be able to serve. And, and so he realized when he got that coat of many colors and that clipboard in a couple of chapters ago, and he didn't really he didn't really earn it. He didn't really grind for it. His father gave it to him, and he didn't understand how to walk with the favor of men on him. And, 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 and he ended up with a with a problem with his brothers and ended up in the pit. So Joseph has learned something. He's like, I'm not going to mess this this up. I know who I am. I am a steward and stewardship, beloved, is a truth that must be embraced. And here's the thing about truth in general, but this, this the truth about stewardship I want to emphasize is truth in general. Truth is revolutionary. Amen. It will change your outlook. That's what it's designed to do. When you talk about a revolution, it always, it doesn't start with guns. It starts with minds. I have to change your mindset so that you can begin to think about things differently. And if you think about things differently, then it will lead to the proper actions and activities. But I got to change your thought patterns. That's why in the 60s, there was so much emphasis on one thing. Black is what? It's beautiful. If you've been told all of your life that black is bad, if, if it's black, get back. If, if, you, if you're brown, get down. 
you know, if you're white, it's all right. If, if, if that's, if that's been your, if that's been what your truth has been to understand that, that black is beautiful and, and to also say, I am what? Somebody. Amen. That's what we were told and it, and it revolutionized our minds. And then, so, and so then that truth has to, has to permeate because revolutionary truth does what? It changes your outlook. So truth is revolutionary because it changes your outlook. It also is relevant because it changes your plans. Amen. Truth becomes relevant because once you accept truth in your mind, then you have to start to talk about some different kind of planning that you have to do. And then it also becomes real because it will change your situation. Amen. And so that's what stewardship as a truth will do. It, it's, it's revolutionary. It's, it's relevant and it's real. You and I need to understand that stewardship is a truth that must be embraced. So let's look at, let's look at, let's double click and let's look at Luke chapter 16. It's the parable of the unjust steward. And we just want to glean a couple of additional things about stewardship that as a discipline will help us deal with passing the test of prosperity. Luke chapter 16, the, my Bible says the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus told his disciples, verse 1, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possession. Worst thing you can do if you work for somebody, for them to say, what, what's going on? Let's, let's have a conversation. Amen. Usually when you're wasting stuff, you, you, a lot of times you, you're in government. Amen. You, Come on, somebody in public service. Amen. And then there's an accounting. Next thing you know, it's like, now, why did you spend this and do this? And then there's a big problem. Anyway, I digress. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. Yeah, you blew that. Word on the street is that that you're wasting possessions and you're you're running around acting like you're the, the boss and not the manager. God has had to have that conversation with you and I a bunch of times. Amen. God has had to have that conversation with many people when he talks about the resources. When you think you're doing God a favor like God needs your check. If you have decided to tithe and honor him and you still think you're doing something because you don't realize that God can do more. If you if you if he, by allowing you to keep the 90 percent than you could ever do. By by, by managing the hundred. He's like, you're not doing me any favors. I don't need your check. What I need is, is you to understand that I am to be your priority. God is trying to talk about purpose and priority. All of these lessons about money you'll see have nothing to do with money. And I don't know why God chose money to be the test, but it does reveal a lot about our hearts. All right. It, re- it, re- it reveals a lot about our priorities. And so it is a good test. And I don't know why he said, listen, I need you to honor me with your money. But I do understand it because he said, if you can find a way to honor me with your money, you're probably going to also find a way to honor me with your life. And so that's why you need to pass this test of prosperity. And the manager said to himself, what should I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So here's what I'll do. When I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each of his master's debtor. How much do you owe? 800 gallons of olive oil. He said, take your bill quickly. Sit down, make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. 
He told him, take your bill, make it 800. And here it is. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. That's you and I. We're the people of light. I tell you, here's the first thing. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Huh? What What did he just say? He said, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcome into eternal dwellings. What he is telling us and reminding us as we look at that, and this is this is the point, stewardship is literally not not only is it a truth that must be embraced, stewardship is a trust. Amen. God, it, again, a trust is something that 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 you have oversight over. Amen. It, it, it's something that you, you you engage around. It's something that's given to you. That's that's important. That's 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 precious. And stewardship is a trust. Therefore, he's saying about money, use money. Don't waste it. Amen. Use money. And always remember, you use money. You don't use people. Amen. Use money, don't use people. So he says, listen, use the money, don't waste it. And that will lead to something else. And again, that's why it's a trust. It leads to what? True wisdom. Because you have to build and advance the kingdom. You can use your affluence for influence. Amen? That's what he's saying. He said, use your wealth to to, to build up uh, for yourself uh, um, so that when it is gone, you will be welcome into eternal dwelling. See, there, there's a wisdom that, that God is trying to demonstrate to us when he says, listen, stewardship is a, stewardship is a trust. And so I give you this, this, this wealth. I give you whatever I give you. You have to find a way to use it and not waste it. And how do you not waste it? You use your affluence for influence. Amen. And so if you can do that, that's really the true wisdom of how to use money. It's about people. It's not, it's, it's not about, it's not about product. It's, it, it's, it's not about possessions. It's about people. And so if you have a kingdom mindset, you will understand the wealth that I have or whatever I have, whatever God has given me charge over, whatever, whatever he give, he's given me great or small, I need to use it for the kingdom of God ultimately. Amen. Let me give you an example. Can you imagine being in glory and you walk around and somebody comes up to you and says, I just want to thank you because without you, I wouldn't be here. And you're like, huh? What's your name again? It's like, yeah, you, you, you don't know me, but a long time ago, you, 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 you supported a missions trip. You supported uh, something with your resources that allowed me to hear the gospel. It could be somebody that was uh, lost close or somebody lost far away, meaning overseas someplace else. And he says, you know what? Because of your resources, a program was available to be put in place where somebody allowed me to hear the gospel and I responded. So I just want to thank you for getting in on what God was doing. 
Can you imagine having that conversation over and over and over again? And if you could do that, then God would say, now you've got true wisdom because then you realize that your affluence can be used for influence. So then in addition to taking care of your family and doing all these other things, you have to have a perspective about your, about your resources that says, I want to do things that build up the kingdom because it's about people, not just possessions. So stewardship is a, is a truth. Yes. It's got to be embraced like all truth is because that truth is revolutionary and relevant and real. But stewardship, according to verse nine in Luke chapter 16, is a trust. So, again, use money. Don't waste it. And that'll lead to true wisdom. And then he goes on to say this. Whoever can be trusted with very little. Can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Huh? I I thought the true riches was the money. Nah, son. That's not true riches. That's worldly riches. There's some true riches. And if I can't trust you to handle the money, how am I going to trust you to handle the real riches? Listen, listen. First of all, the conversation that you and I have had with God in the past about how you're going to get yourself together and start to honor him with your money when you have more of it. God is like, that's that's not how that thing works. If you have little, if you manage little, why would, if you can't manage the little I give you, why would, why would I let you have more? It's like, you say, I want more and, and, and I'll honor you. And he'll say, I'll give you more if you honor me. So you go first. You go first. That's what God is saying. You go first. You honor me while you have little and then I'm pretty sure you'll honor me when you get more. It usually doesn't work the other way because you'll still find a way if your heart's not right, if your mind's not right, if your character is not right. You don't want to be in a place where you get blessed by God and don't have the character to match. Amen. You don't want to be in that place. You don't want to be in the place because you you'll defraud God, deny God and, and, and disregard God and destroy yourself. So you don't want to be that person. Amen. And so God says, you, you go first. Let me let me see you do this. And so, again, now you understand that stewardship again is it's the test. Amen. Again, like prosperity is it's a different way of saying prosperity is a test. Yes, stewardship is a test. Amen. Stewardship is a test. So you use money. Don't abuse it. Amen. It's a trust. So use it. Don't what? Waste it. It's a test. Use money. Don't abuse it. This will lead to true riches. Amen. Now think, think about the life of Joseph. Amen. Think about his life. What were the, what were the true riches? Amen. It's, it's the true riches. And, and we'll, and we'll talk about this in, 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 in the next, in, in the next example as well. Because it leads to true service. But the right perspective on money will help you lay up the right kind of treasure. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6, lay up for yourselves. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where what? Moth and rust consume and thieves break through and steal. He says, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't consume and thieves don't break through and steal for where your 
treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so he says, it's not about the money. It's about the true riches. The true riches are what you lay up that cannot be taken away. Amen. You cannot take it with you. Amen. The difference between a regular suit and a burial suit is that a burial suit doesn't have pockets because they, you can't, they can't take it with you. All you can do, beloved, is send it on ahead. And that means you're laying it up. But you can't send the money on ahead, but you can send the riches on ahead. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's the true riches. He says, so if I can, so somehow if I can, if if you can handle the money, then, then, then you'll really start to be able to handle the true riches, which are the kingdom riches, the riches of relationship, the riches of, of the gifts and talents and abilities I've given you, the, 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 the riches of being able to, to have discernment and, and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to respond, to be able to, to, sub, to sub, subject your, your gifts and talents to the move of the Holy Spirit so that I can trust you that when I give you a message that you'll be obedient. I can trust you that when I give you a word for somebody, you'll say it. I can trust you that when I give you an assignment for the kingdom, you'll fulfill it. Those are the true riches you and I need to be focused on. The money is just to be used. Amen? Use the money. Don't waste it. Use the money. Don't abuse it. And then you will build up the kind of treasure that will not rot, but that will last. To that point, just quickly out, as you, as you well know, First Timothy 6 says some things to us about command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth. Which is so uncertain. (laughs) But to put their hope in who? God. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Again, now you got true riches again. He said, don't, don't mess that up. Don't put your hope in wealth. It'll let you down every time. Put your hope in God because he won't. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. In this way they will do what? Lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Ooh. You can't say it any more clearly that the Apostle Paul just said that. Tell them to do good. Tell them to, to lay up real treasure. Tell them to be generous and willing to share and give themselves a firm foundation so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life, real life. A thing that you've been denied for far too long. Life, real life. Real life is kingdom life. It's, it's, it's not the piling up of, 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 of riches in this age where you don't pile up and lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. Amen. You gotta have the right perspective. So you have to understand as it, as it talks about in Luke that you, that you understand that stewardship is a trust and stewardship is a test. And then there's one more thing that it tells us in Luke chapter 16 and I wanna tell you that. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve 
both God and money. You can't? Are you sure? No, I'm pretty sure. It says it right here. You cannot serve both God and money. So you have to understand stewardship is a task. Amen. It's a task. It's something, uh, again, the management of resources, that stewardship, the management of resources on behalf of an owner is simply a task. And so, again, like with it being a trust, you understand, use money, don't waste it. Right? Stewardship is a test, so use money, don't abuse it. Now stewardship is a task, according to verse 13, and, and, and what God is saying is use money, don't serve it. Amen? Use money, don't serve it. Money is a good servant, it makes a poor master. Amen? Use money, don't serve it. This will lead to true service. He says, yeah, you cannot serve both God and money. Serving God is true service. Serving money is no service at all. That, that, that gets you twisted up. That gets your life all messed up. And again, in first Timothy, he says, for, for the love of money, it, it, it leads to all kinds of issues such that people that, that will pursue money will pierce themselves through the scripture says with many sorrows. Amen. You don't want to be in that place where the, the all out pursuit of wealth in this age will lead to sorrow for you. He says, so just use money. Don't serve it. True service. It'll lead to true service. Now think about that context. So think about it again. So stewardship is a truth. And it really needs to be embraced like all truth is. And so that starts in the mind. Again, it's, rele- it's re- uh, revolutionary and relevant and real. And, and, and Jesus, as he looks at, at that servant, said he obviously, even though he was unjust, he, he knew enough about his, his position to, to realize that, that he embraced stewardship enough to look ahead, plan ahead, and move ahead. Amen? That's what made the unjust servant shrewd. And that's what God wants us to, to emulate. When you hear truth and when, when, when God gives you something that, that you need to embrace, that, that's what made that unjust steward shrewd. He looked ahead. He said, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I have to look ahead and realize I'm not going to be able to do this. And then he planned ahead. Amen. Many of us can see what's happening. We might even write a plan down, but then we don't end up doing anything about it. And so if you want to be a just uh, and and be shrewd and and, and be be commended, amen, you have to look ahead, plan ahead, and then move ahead. He did all three. He said, I can't do it. I got a plan and let me put that plan into action so that when I get kicked out of here, I will be welcomed in some other places because of what I've done. That's what he was commended for. And so stewardship is that truth. Stewardship is a trust because it leads to true wisdom. Stewardship is a test because it leads to true riches. Stewardship is a task because it leads to true service. Think about Joseph's life. He is in Genesis 39. And he just got out of the pit. The pit is a terrible place to be in, as you can imagine. And and Joseph got to a good and comfortable place. He was prospering. Amen. He's in Potiphar's house. 
But we know that there's still 11 more chapters in Genesis. And God did not bring him to Egypt to run Potiphar's house. He didn't bring him to Egypt to just run Potiphar's house. He didn't bring him to Egypt to get him cleaned up and get out of the pit and get into a comfortable job and be and, and, and have the accolades of, of Potiphar. There was some true service that he had to do. Amen. He literally was there as we will find out much later. And as I'll remind you right now. Because I know you already know. He was there to save lives. He was there to save his people out of a famine that hadn't even appeared yet. And because of the fact that he started out as a flawed son and he learned how to be a faithful steward, he was able to end up being a flourishing servant that God could use and God could trust with true wisdom and true riches and true service. Because the true reason he was there was to save lives, not only the lives of the Egyptians, but his whole family that he brought down and saved from a famine. That's a far cry from just being Potiphar's steward. And it's a far cry from you. I know you got a little comfortable. I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you, you're excited and you might have a new job and you might be able to be in a place where now you can pay a few more bills and do some other things. If you think that's the be-all, end-all of what God's favor is supposed to mean in your life, you're wrong. God has real work for you to do. And it has a lot more to do than with a new car and, and some comfortable surroundings so you can feel good about yourself. We got real kingdom work to do. Amen? And God may not have even revealed to you what he needs you to do, but I can tell you this. You cannot fall down and mess up the test of prosperity because God does not like social promotion. God does not socially promote. You stay in the grade that you need to be in till you learn the material you need to learn. And when you pass the test, you move on. And if you can't pass the test, you'll keep taking it over and over and over because God is not going to socially promote you to the next level. Because if you don't have a character to match the blessing he has for you, you'll destroy yourself. Joseph, Pitt, to Potiphar's, had no idea that in his life he was going to go down to prison and then up to the palace. But you got to pass the test at Potiphar's. And the test he needed to pass was prosperity because prosperity will test you. It's one of the first things that Satan likes to throw at you because we're so enamored with possessions. We're so enamored with, with, with this world's good that it's real easy for him to distract us from the true riches and the true service and the true wisdom that God is trying to build up in our lives. And Satan loves to distract us with the love of money and the pursuit of money. And the real thing that really kills us is we, most of us don't even end up getting the money. We just have the that's a bad that's a bad trade but true wisdom and true service and true riches is what God offers and as first Timothy said that's a firm foundation and you and I need the discipline of 
stewardship if we're going to deal with prosperity because prosperity will test us. And we need to pass that test because God is not going to socially promote. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word, for this beginning reminder about the life of Joseph in Genesis 39. And these are life lessons for us. These things ring familiar to us. We've heard them, particularly from this pulpit, about stewardship, about resources. But it's appropriate that we be reminded of these things because we are so easily sucked into what the world offers so many times. It's a constant battle for us, the battleground of the mind, what we think about ourselves, what we think about our pursuits what our real purposes are, all of those things. We just churn on them over and over, and it's so easy to, so much more easy to trust you when we're waiting for something, but so much more difficult to trust you when we receive it. And you want us to stay close to you. We, You want us to really understand what you're trying to give us in our lives around true wisdom and true riches and true true service and you've chosen that how we handle our resources tells us a lot about how we'll handle the things that really matter and so i pray father that those that are here under the sound of my voice will understand what stewardship really is that we're not owners we're managing on your behalf everything you've given us and it's not just money stewardship goes to time and talent and treasure it goes to stewardship over our our very bodies and and our health and strength because we want to be in a place to be have good stewardship over our bodies so that we'll be in the best place to serve you It helps clarify the argument about the environment because that's a stewardship issue, too, that we're we're stewards over this planet. You've given it to us to to take dominion and dominion means that we're supposed to treat things. We're not supposed to abuse. We're not supposed to waste. We're supposed to use things in a responsible manner because we're stewards. It's revolutionary. It affects every area of our life. Everything that, that you've got around us. Time, talent, treasure, all of it. And so I pray, Father, that we would have a new understanding around and reminder around stewardship and that we would be commended by you because not only will we look ahead, not only will we plan ahead, but with these reminders, we'll actually move ahead. And do some things differently in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.